Hello and welcome to the third series of the Igniting Change podcast. It's a different and more challenging world in which we find ourselves this time around, so we wanted to reflect the challenges of just surviving in the COVID-19 era and what the Black Lives Matter movement has meant to some of our First Nations people. Igniting Change hasn't stopped working to make this period easier for those doing it tough, nor will it. Yes, we're all in this together, but for some, making it to the other side is just the start of the battle. Our guest today is Felix Rebel. He's well known as the lead man of the band Cat Empire, but in more recent times, it's his project Spinifex Gum with the Malia Choir that's attracting a whole new audience. Felix, welcome to the Igniting Change podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. What's it like being a musician in a time of COVID? It's been really interesting for me. I mean, we were in uh, Europe with the Cat Empire uh, at the beginning of a tour. I think we'd done about six dates in the UK when it all kicked off and we're on our way to Spain. Within the space of two or three days, the situation dramatically changed and the atmosphere on the street changed and we became aware that we'd have to cancel the tour. And so there was this mad scramble to get flights home. And for those who don't know, being a touring musician, especially internationally, you have to kind of have a lot of adrenaline and energy kind of preserved. You sleep on a double-decker bus, you wake up in a new city, you adapt, you wait, you do the sound check, and then you kind of blast out this show and then you get back on the bus and move. So there's this kind of intrinsic energy there. And, and having the tour finish so quickly under such dramatic circumstances meant that I came back with sort of a lot of that energy still alive. And so I turned the COVID year into um, what is hopefully, you know, a fairly prolific creative year. So I tried to turn that, that performance energy into, you know, a studio and a quiet space. So it's been interesting from an industry perspective it's not great for the music industry at all. You know, it's a lot of people have lost work and they're unclear what, what the parameters are going to be for live music next year and so on. But personally, from a creative point of view, um, it's actually been a really interesting year. I've just got faith that it's going to get back to a great performance space and people will, will make up for that, um, that kind of lack with enthusiasm when we do get back there. And, um, and hopefully this year is going to count for something in terms of the songs that will come out of it, both for Spinifex Gum, The Cat Empire and, and my own work. Mm, it's interesting. I've, I've listened to a few interviews with people from Missy Higgins to Kylie Minogue and both of them have seemed to have produced pretty amazing stuff and really interesting music through the period. So it seems that there's something about being without the distraction of the outside world, I guess, that has maybe helped the songwriting process. Yeah, look, that doesn't surprise me at all. I think there are a couple of things there. One is a loss is always um, very useful stuff for songwriters or artists in general, I think. I've felt acutely this sort of, you kind of you have a bit of a love affair with your audience in terms of this unspoken bond, I guess, that you share. You know, it's like a person that, you know, there's these many people that become one. It's a very romantic thing for me in a way, performing. And I think, you know, musicians and artists around the world who are used to being in front of that audience probably keenly felt this lack, this kind of nostalgia or this melancholy that goes with that being taken away, something that you've just taken for granted and that you intrinsically can return to being gone for a while. And so I think that that's very believable that Kylie and Missy and and many others have had a really strong songwriting reaction to that. I guess the other thing I'd say to it is that we are are very fortunate, you know, musicians who have had, you know, good, long, sturdy careers until now, I guess we can afford to reflect a bit more and and try and just just have trust in in our established audiences and so on. And I I guess I feel a lot more for the musicians who are starting up, who want to feel that that rush of an audience, who want to feel that excitement of an open page and an an open horizon and a new country or a new city or a new theatre or whatever it is that, that you 
stay awake for and, and really are hungry for. So I think COVID is, is going to hit the younger musicians a lot harder than, than the ones who have had enough time to reflect and have enough career behind them to sort of um, do it. So I just have to be thankful for the, the career I've had and the, um, and the time in the, in the spotlight, you know, on stage to, to remember that and to miss it and to be able to write songs about it. Yeah. In your other project, Spinifex Gum, you are behind the scenes and the girls of the Malia Choir are very much front and centre. And, and how have they been dealing with the, the loss of, of this project for them? At the moment, look, it's been a really challenging year for Marley and Spinifex Gum, partly because groups of people singing has been labelled badly. It's pretty stupid if you can have thirty thousand people at a football stadium and then it's just screaming their, their hearts out and, and then not home. So, anyways, I'm not going to get into a. Um, no, I'll get into it with you. I, I can't sing with my choir either. I'm furious. <laughs> I think that they that something happened along the way, and, and there's been all sorts of evidence to suggest that it's no worse than, than being in a crowd screaming. Anyways, so um, that's been difficult because the. Marley the choir and the Spinifex Gum project really runs on a lot of passion, a lot of willpower from the people involved. Malia included, but Lynn Williams, who conducts them, formerly would fly up once a week to Cairns to rehearse with them from Sydney. Um, an mm-hmm. enormous commitment that she's been, you know, doing for over a decade now. I think it really relies on the momentum of um, performances. You know, the last show we did was at WOMAD, and I think for the stage we played, it was the biggest audience they've ever had there. And Briggs was there, and Emma Donovan has been touring with us before that and and just a very exciting group of people and and energy around the project. So the challenge for us has been to try not to lose that momentum, you know, not being able to rehearse. How do we, how do we keep the energy up? And and for me, again, that's, that's come back to songwriting. So a few of the more senior members of Malia have been really passionate about certain issues that they wanted to write songs about. So we've had songwriting sessions, which involve really significant research into quite you know, quite challenging stories and so on. And mm. that's been fantastic. And I've also been able to work with one of the songwriters on, on her own material in a sort of mentoring role, I guess. And we've been able to send through songs that they've been able to learn virtually. So it's been a very difficult year from a performance perspective and from a momentum perspective for the project. But at the same time, I've been writing like crazy for it. It's been very productive in terms of a um, creative period. And I think that we're, we're going to hit the ground running with the recording for a new album next year. And we've also been working on the live at the Sydney Opera House show. So that's going to be a live album released later this year or early next. And, and that sounds fantastic too. So we've just had to put, I guess, the handbrake that was pulled on performance-wise, we've had to counter that with a lot of creativity. The live performance that's on the Opera House Sessions website, which anyone can access now, I guess that opens up Spinifex Gum to a much wider audience than could normally fit into some of the venues that they play at. So that's exciting. It's fantastic, yeah. And I mean, Spinifex Gum is such a difficult project to describe to someone. Not an elevated conversation at all. No. <laughs> it's been the culmination of seven years in a project that stretches across Australia. I mean, a lot of its roots are in the Pilbara and the Injibundi. Tell me how it started, Felix. Uh, Spinifex Gum started with an invitation I had to go to the Pilbara with Lynn Williams and the Gondwana Indigenous Children's Choir back in, I want to say, 2015. I'm guessing there, but around then. And that started off as potentially writing one or two songs for this amazing choir that I had the real pleasure of meeting. And at that stage, a lot of those singers were 11, 12, 13 years old kind of thing. And then that turned into a, um, a very in-depth period of me spending time in the Pilbara. I returned about six or seven times over the next five years or so. What kept on taking you back there? I was really, really interested by two things. One, by the sound of that choir. They could sing in a way that I hadn't heard any other choir sing before. And that happened one night by coincidence after a performance that they'd done. They started singing, you know, just this really syncopated pop line 
parents, you know, in, in their dressing room backstage and, and really complicated. And, and my experiences with choirs before then had been very open vowels and open sounds and you can't quite understand the words, but it's a very beautiful, uniting sort of atmosphere. Whereas when I heard them singing pop music, it was like, oh, hang on a second, I can hear every word here. This is really complicated. Rhythmic phrasing, I can do something with this. And and I was really interested by the thought of, you know, Australia has, has had this tradition, let's call it the Qantas Choir, for example, you yeah. know, of this sort of very polite children's choir. In cloaks. Exactly. And then I thought, oh, hang on, we could invert this. We could actually give a choir all of their own microphones. We could write music that is not that and that that is something much more contemporary and cutting. And that sort of sparked a creative interest for me because I thought this is totally different to anything that I'd ever worked on or, or even thought about. And then the other breakthrough was I spent a long time in the Pilbara getting to know people, having no idea whether it was appropriate or not for me to write anything, having many doubts, I guess, coming in there. And, and then I guess as I sort of started to find my way into a place that I knew I was fascinated by, but not quite sure why, I was just walking around with a field recorder a lot. And so I went and listened back to that with Ollie while I was on tour and, and you'd hear like an empty iron ore train. And we thought, oh, hang on a second, that makes a really interesting resonant sound. And so what happens if we sample that and tune it to different notes and put it in a, a drum sampler? And so all of a sudden you have a, you know, an empty iron ore train that turns into a synthesizer or a basketball that's been bounced on the ground or hitting a backboard that you detune a lot and it becomes this really interesting bass drum sound. And we just sort of found our way into the landscape and the place by these, these utterances of a landscape, both from industry, there's a heavy iron ore industry up there and from communities and from um, nature itself so pods on a tree you know like they make a great sort of shaker sound so it was fascinating for us to sort of just have a great time messing with sounds and then all of a sudden we found this contrast which was this youthful choir singing in a non-choir way but still having this lush and rich sound mixed with these really kind of haunted, stark, industrial beats. And it just made this contrast that, that set something artistic alive for us. And, and then that, that gave us a creative world to work within, limitations that were very, very creative that we could push and stretch and, and work within. And then I studied the hell out of the Julawalu books, which are created by the Injibani Aboriginal Corporation and sparked a friendship with Michael Woodley. And so Spinifex Gum never set out to write creation stories or cultural stories but we did write about contemporary stories of an area the Malia choir really wanted to sing in language they've sung in languages from all across Australia and that's something they really pride themselves on and so there was an access into saying okay well, we're going to set ourselves in Robin and the surrounding Injibani country and, and base it on contemporary Australian stories where an Indigenous and non-Indigenous world collide that's kind of where Spinifex Gum sets its world and at its most extreme you have stories like Miss Dew um, which is I'm sure many listeners will know of that story. The, the title music of this podcast, actually. Thank you. Yeah, right. It, it's a terrible story. That's, it's a terrible that's story. An, an absolute tragedy that doesn't stand alone in, in our uh, history. And, and so when I say Spin of Excom stands in that space between, I think when I heard about that and when I was working with young um, women in Malia, I thought half of this is my story to tell. You know, if, if I'm non-Indigenous, I'm writing about a system which has brutally let down a youth in our country, someone who, who should never have been locked up in the first place and should never have been neglected so badly that she passed away in custody. And so I, I could write to that, you know, because I think I thought that this is this is something that we should not be calling an Indigenous issue. This is something that we should be calling a non, you know, this is... Our shared yeah, shame. I also had the power of, of Malia there and they, they carry a lot of the, the power of this because it's the collection of their voices and in, in particular that many voices become one and, and the sound of youth that is able to move an audience, you know. So I can't, I can't do it alone. It, it's something that we've really relied on each other to do. So 
it's often a challenging project. It's often a, one that you have to tread lightly or be very careful or have guts around because it isn't easy to be in that middle space, you know. But it's one that when people see it, and, and hopefully some people will go and watch some of the performance because that really speaks to the, the level of sophistication in the project, then they'll see that, that that's the reason why we've put so much energy and, and passion behind it. I think that Spinifex Gum alone has been able to educate. It's certainly given me a perspective that I was lacking before. Being in the audience and watching those girls sing those songs and talking about treaty and truth and all of the things that are so current and so potent in the Australian and the world landscape at the moment, I think Spinifex Gum really has an important and powerful role in all of this. And that was going to be the next part of this conversation was going to be about the Black Lives Matter movement and how some of those songs that you wrote have become anthems for that movement. It's been a, an amazing year, hasn't it, in terms of in the midst of COVID, having people rioting and protesting. It's been an extraordinary time in, in that respect. And I think Spinifex Gum stands as being part of something. It's a very unique project in terms of I've never been part of a musical experience. And I'm coming from a fair bit of experience there, having toured the world with the Cat Empire and so on. I've never been part of a, a musical project that can move a room in that particular way. I don't believe that music should ever be preaching to people or telling them something, but Spinifex Gum has been able to confront a very difficult history in Australia and a very difficult, something that people obviously carry. And if people carry it so heavily then, and they're prepared to write in the midst of a pandemic, you, you can see how much you know, our, our, our terrible history of disproportionate rates of Indigenous incarceration and a shocking record of deaths in custody and so on, how much that is part of our, our consciousness here and how deep those wounds go and how it's often so difficult to speak of these things without just falling into despondency, you know. And, and Spinifex Gum for me has been this project where people are able to hear something that's beautiful, that moves them, and that at its core, before you listen to any words or anything like that, makes you feel this wave of optimism because hearing young people sing and hearing beautiful that's music true. is in itself moving. That's the point of things. You want to be moved. And, and, and so Spinifex Gum, if it was just me standing on stage, if it was just someone else standing on stage as an adult, then then the audience says, oh, that's your opinion. And we fall into this kind of really hard space of like, oh, that's what you think and that's what I think. And people have these knee-jerk sort of positions that they've fallen into as, as you know, it runs in, in, in terms of their deep conservatism. Whereas when you hear this group of young people singing it at you, then you have something that can actually shift paradigms, you know, that, that can move people. And I've seen it. I've seen hardened, white, older politicians, men who are, who are on the other side with tears running down their face, you know. And, and so I'm not trying to say this as like Spinifex comes. It's a very small part of, of a greater movement. And that movement needs to be in our country Indigenous-led and it needs to be, um, you know, there, there are so many voices and, and things that are important there. So I really am not hanging my hat to say Spinifex come with some answer, but we do play some part in a unified um, representation of issues that are almost too unbearable for people to speak about in this country, but that we're able to deliver in a way which is regardless, leaving them with a sense of optimism. And we need optimism for change at, at some level, I think. And so, look, at its heart, it's a musical project, an artistic one, and that will always be the first priority of this. We've never wanted to wave the flag and say that this is politics first, but through the music and through the beauty of that performance, um, we've been able to go to some places that are very cutting and and, um, and that sits in the broader discussion around something has to change in this country because we have 
deeply racist mm. institutions that are really set in stone and, and, and that needs to be shattered. I think the power of it is that you sit in the audience and you listen or you watch it on the screen with the Opera House sessions and you hear a song so beautiful and gorgeous like the Malia and they're talking about the friendship between the girls and it's just so, so beautiful. And then you are taken to Miss Do or to some of the other songs that have this gut-wrenching story behind it but it's still beautiful. So you are taken on this sort of journey of this is what Indigenous Australia represents. There is so much beauty, but there is also the horror and the pain. And together as an artistic expression, I think it is incredible. And I mean, I don't mean to overstate it, and I'm not saying this because I'm talking to you. I mean, I say this to everybody that I talk to about Spinifex Gum. I think it's a really unbelievably special project and congratulations to you on that. That's very kind. And yeah, look, I hope we can keep on delivering something that has that that impact on an audience i think it's it's something that we just have to keep on working at and with anything like this it has to be music first you know and it has to like we have to get get back to simplicity because sometimes you find yourself in a project that has a movement of its own and you have to let that movement be itself you know you can't really stifle it you have to let it run its course and go where it wants to and spin effects gum is a project separate to any individual within it has wanted to go to some of these places and that has required a lot of courage on behalf of the singers who front that and this is required some courage from those people working on it to be in in, in a space which says that spin effects gum is about an indigenous and non-indigenous collaboration and what does what does that Australia in an artistic sense feel like in, in our world and so for that to be possible I think we always have to go back to is is the song great you know is yeah. the song great is the performance great because you have to be able to impress people with with a, an extraordinary level of singing you know it can't just be like if it wasn't quite good enough or if it was like oh they're, they're making an effort then you get straight into this sort of patronizing viewpoint of an audience kind of clapping because oh we'll, we'll be encouraging there but when it's great you know when it when it's enough to make an audience instantaneously stand up Mm-hmm. Or you know, and then then all of a sudden you get a reversal of stereotypes. You know, you get like this isn't about a fair go. This is about you know the audience are the ones who are lucky to be experiencing this. Not this is a great experience for the young kids. I mean, it is also great experiences for everyone involved for us. But we want to try and break those um, stereotypes of sort of looking down and saying you know young people are just going to perform at the level that the young people should, and actually say how are we going to make this so good that an audience is actually wowed and, and yeah. just blown off their feet. Well, I was just going to say. That's always been the pursuit. And and Lynn Williams has always had that philosophy and our choreographer, Deborah Brown, certainly has that philosophy. And as song arrangers and songwriters, Ollie and myself have had that same expectation. And and it's an amazing thing that when you say to young people, this is where we're going to reach, we're going to get here then they usually exceed it, you know. Whereas if you set the bar really low to start with, then they then they just reach the par there and it's just like, okay, well, is that the ceiling? And you have to try and blow the roof off the ceiling, you know. You have to try and see sky. It's dynamite. It's absolute dynamite. And I would urge anyone listening to this podcast, if you haven't already seen Spinifex Gum, to please go ahead and check them out because they're great and of course all the music of Felix Cat Empire and Felix thank you it's you're a great example of the reason why our government really needs to keep up supporting the arts because the arts uplift us and educate us and provide us with something that we really need especially in a time of COVID so thank you thanks for joining the podcast and good luck with all your future projects I appreciate it thanks very much That's it for this Igniting Change podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to press subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening. And remember, see the person, not the label.